Envision this. Your patient is a 64-year-old female with long-standing hypertension. She comes to your office after having not been seen for 12 months. I've been feeling really good lately, she says. I was having a little cough from that lisinopril, so I stopped it. In fact, I stopped taking all my blood pressure pills. I decided to take a natural approach. She sees the look of concern on your face. Don't worry, she says. I think I've cured my hypertension because I feel so much more relaxed. Her current blood pressure is 162 over 90 millimeters per mercury. Her repeat blood pressure is 160 over 94 millimeters per mercury. Her physical exam is otherwise normal. Her lab work obtained before her visit shows elevated creatinine compared with one year ago. How would you emphasize to your patient the importance of taking medications as prescribed? Welcome to Audiobricks. This is Ed Barnes breaking down the effects of hypertension on the kidney and your ears. After completing this brick, you will be able to 1. Define hypertension's effect on the kidney and list the categories of glomerular injury. 2. Define hypertensive nephrosclerosis and explain its clinical presentation, pathophysiology, diagnosis, and management. And 3. Explain how hypertension worsens chronic kidney disease and how to manage it. Part 1. What is hypertension's effect on the kidney? The kidney is key to filtering the blood of toxins and maintaining fluid and electrolyte balance in blood pressure, but it's vulnerable to many injuries because at its core, it is a collection of millions of capillary tufts called glomeruli that filter large amounts of blood per day. Glomerular injury can occur because of immune and biochemical injury, but it can also occur because of physical factors like hypertension. For example, in hypertensive emergency, very high blood pressure can cause acute kidney injury. Therefore, tight blood pressure control is vital in most renal diseases, to the point that, along with cardiovascular disease, renal disease now qualifies for the tightest blood pressure control recommendation, less than 120 to 130 over 80 millimeters per mercury in adults. Here, we will discuss two topics related to hypertension in the kidney. One, hypertensive nephrosclerosis in which the kidney is damaged by long-standing, poorly controlled high blood pressure, and two, how hypertension worsens the prognosis of most renal diseases. Let's stop for a quiz. How does hypertension affect the kidney? Hypertension induces nephrosclerosis in the kidney, either acutely or chronically, and worsens the prognosis of kidney diseases. Part 2. What is hypertensive nephrosclerosis? Hypertensive nephrosclerosis is a form of chronic kidney disease due to long-standing, uncontrolled hypertension. It is less common now in the United States due to more patients receiving medication for hypertension, but it is still common worldwide. In the United States, the reported incidence of end-stage renal disease, or ESRD, due to hypertensive nephrosclerosis is about 100 cases per million, compared with diabetic ESRD at about 1,000 cases per million. Worldwide, the percentage of patients with ESRD with hypertensive nephropathy ranges from 6% to 25%. This may overestimate the incidence since most of these patients never undergo a biopsy and may have other non-diagnosed glomerular diseases. 
In fact, it is now debated whether untreated non-malignant hypertension actually leads to renal disease or whether such patients actually have undiagnosed primary and progressive renal disease that is complicated by hypertension. Hypertensive nephrosclerosis is more likely to be diagnosed in black patients, but it is unclear whether this is due to diagnostic bias or healthcare inequity. Patients with hypertensive nephrosclerosis are generally asymptomatic until their renal disease is far advanced. This is because hypertension itself is often asymptomatic, and so is chronic kidney disease, or CKD, in its early stages. Chronic, poorly controlled hypertension more often leads to cardiac symptoms like left ventricular hypertrophy and heart failure, which may cause dyspnea and peripheral edema even when the kidneys are still relatively normal. There may also be hypertensive retinopathy with visual loss and hemorrhages and vascular changes seen on fundoscopic exam. These may precede any symptoms of renal disease. Next, let's discuss the pathophysiology of hypertensive nephrosclerosis. Hypertensive nephrosclerosis leads to combined vascular, glomerular, and tubulointerstitial renal disease. These are not firm criteria for diagnosis, and biopsy is not performed very often, so the renal involvement varies among patients. First, looking deeper into vascular disease. Hypertensive nephrosclerosis causes vascular changes within the small arteries and arterioles supplying the kidney. The blood vessel walls thicken, decreasing the size of the vessel lumen via medial hypertrophy and fibroelastic intimal thickening. Hypertension causes plasma proteins, for example, inactive C3B, to leak through the vascular endothelial cells and form deposits within the damaged arteriolar wall. This process is called hyaline arteriosclerosis. The decrease of the vessel lumen size causes a decrease of renal blood flow. The insufficient blood flow over time leads to decreased glomerular filtration rate, or GFR. Hypertension is not the only cause of hyaline arteriosclerosis. Hyperglycemia, seen in diabetes mellitus, is another cause. Next, let's discuss glomerular disease. Since the glomeruli are just an extension of small arteries supplying the kidney, it's not surprising that they are damaged by hypertension as well. Ischemic changes can lead to glomerulosclerosis, fibrosis, and scarring, leading to mild proteinuria. This is because of damage to the glomerular filtration barrier that normally prevents protein from appearing in the urine. Finally, let's cover tubular interstitial disease. Patients may get tubular atrophy and an influx of inflammatory cells into the renal interstitium. The reason for this is unclear, but it seems to be, at least in part, an active immunologic process that may be initiated by vascular ischemia. However, we don't see the white blood cells in the urine that are common in other tubulointerstitial diseases like acute interstitial nephritis. The end result of all these processes is ischemia, renal fibrosis, scarring, reduced kidney size, and ultimately the loss of renal function, and chronic kidney disease. Let's pause for another quiz. In hypertensive nephrosclerosis, what vascular changes occur within small arteries and arterioles supplying the kidney? In hypertensive nephrosclerosis, the blood vessel walls thicken through smooth muscle proliferation. The vessel lumen size decreases and plasma proteins form deposits within the arteriolar wall. 
The diagnosis of hypertensive nephrosclerosis is generally clinical rather than by a specific test. It is made when a patient with long-standing, poorly controlled hypertension presents with an elevated serum creatinine concentration in the absence of findings suggesting diabetes or immune glomerular disease like heavy proteinuria, hematuria, or red blood cell casts. In serum studies, damage to the glomerulus will result in a decreased GFR, leading to increased blood urea nitrogen, or BUN, and creatinine. The rise tends to be very slowly over decades. On urinalysis, there is usually only mild proteinuria, less than 0.5 grams per 24 hours, and sometimes slight microscopic hematuria. Often the urinalysis is normal. The nephrotic syndrome, massive proteinuria greater than 3.5 grams per day, is uncommon. So how do we manage hypertensive nephrosclerosis? The most important goal in hypertensive nephrosclerosis is controlling the patient's blood pressure to prevent further renal damage and disease progression. For these patients with CKD, the blood pressure goal is less than 120 to 130 over 80 millimeters per mercury. Most clinical guidelines target a blood pressure of less than 130 over 80 millimeters per mercury for patients with CKD. However, the SPRINT trial, one of the best trials of hypertension control in CKD, found benefits for control at less than 120 over 80. Of all the antihypertensive drugs used to control hypertension, angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors, or ACE inhibitors, and angiotensin receptor blockers, or ARBs, are the most renal protective, so they should be first-line drugs in these patients. Here's another quiz. What is the target blood pressure in adult patients with hypertensive nephropathy? In adult patients with hypertensive nephropathy, the target blood pressure is less than 120 to 130 over 80 millimeters per mercury. Part 3. How does hypertension affect chronic kidney disease? So far, we've discussed how chronic severe hypertension can cause CKD. But more common is the reverse, where hypertension is caused by CKD and high blood pressure then contributes to worsening of the CKD. Almost all of the glomerular and tubular interstitial diseases will cause their blood pressure to rise because of both increased sodium and water reabsorption, raising intravascular volume, as well as an activation of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. But how does elevated blood pressure then speed the progression of the underlying renal disease? Progression of CKD may be due, at least in part, to intraglomerular hypertension, or high glomerular capillary hydrostatic pressure, as well as glomerular hypertrophy. These lead to fibrosis and scarring, or glomerular sclerosis. High intraglomerular pressure damages the glomerulus mediated by endothelial injury and production of cytokines such as transforming growth factor beta, or TGF-beta, by glomerular mesangial cells. The bottom line is that treatment of hypertension is critical in almost all types of CKD, the treatment goal is to control the blood pressure to less than 120 to 130 over 80 millimeters per mercury in adults. In children, the treatment goal is lower and relates to age-specific blood pressure targets. Blood pressure reduction in CKD is best done by using ACE inhibitors or ARBs, especially in patients with proteinuria. Other drugs are added as needed for optimal control. 
ACE inhibitors, ARBs, reduce proteinuria and reduce intraglomerular pressure, in part explaining their preferred role in hypertension management. Note then in non-proteinuric CKD, including many cases of hypertensive nephrosclerosis, ACE inhibitors and ARBs have not been shown to be more beneficial. Let's stop for another quiz. How do most glomerular and tubular interstitial diseases cause blood pressure to rise? In most glomerular and tubular interstitial diseases, blood pressure rises because of increased sodium and water reabsorption that raises intravascular volume as well as activation of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. And that brings us to the end of our discussion on the effects of hypertension on the kidney. Now, let's recap to see if we've completed our goals. First, can you list the three categories of glomerular injury from hypertension? The three categories of injury from hypertension are vascular, glomerular, and tubular interstitial renal disease. Next, are you able to name the process found in blood vessels in patients with hypertensive nephrosclerosis? Hyaline arterial sclerosis is the process by which hypertension causes vascular changes within the small arteries and arterioles supplying the kidney. The blood vessel walls thicken, decreasing the size of the vessel lumen via medial hypertrophy and fibroelastic intimal thickening. Hypertension causes plasma proteins to leak through the vascular endothelial cells and form deposits within the damaged arteriolar wall. Finally, can you name the management and preferred medication to treat patients with hypertensive nephrosclerosis and to prevent worsening of CKD? Blood pressure reduction in CKD is best done by using an ACE inhibitor or an ARB, especially in patients with proteinuria. And that's it. Armed with your newfound knowledge on the effects of hypertension on the kidney, let's get back to the patient from the beginning of this episode. Your patient is a 64-year-old female with long-standing hypertension that stopped taking her blood pressure medications, and her current blood pressure is 162 over 90 millimeters per mercury, and repeat blood pressure is 160 over 94 millimeters per mercury. How do you emphasize the importance of taking blood pressure medications as prescribed? After receiving an explanation of the lab findings, you share with your patient that her long-standing uncontrolled hypertension is causing kidney damage. You tell her that you are glad to hear she feels more relaxed. In addition to healthy lifestyle measures, she would benefit from taking her blood pressure medications to prevent further damage to her kidneys. You explain that elevated blood pressure is frequently asymptomatic. She cannot rely on symptoms to determine if her blood pressure is good. You tell your patient that if the cough is bothering her, an alternative medication can be found without that side effect. She is understandably disappointed with the news, but she agrees to restart the medication. And that's it for our show. Make sure to like and subscribe if you like what you hear and remember your feedback helps us improve. You can enjoy the full Brick experience online at www.usmole-rx.com. 
complete with illustrations, questions, flashcards, and active learning. So go check that out if you haven't already. Until next time.